Hello, and welcome to Amateur Radio Roundtable, the show about ham radio tonight. And uh, we're coming to you on YouTube and also on uh, International Shortwave Station, WBCQ, on 7490. If you're out there listening on WBCQ, we'd love to uh, hear from you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com and let us hear where you are and uh, how you're hearing uh, the uh, the station tonight. We're not a high power station. I think this transmitter only runs about 50,000 watts, so we're relatively low power for shortwave, but uh, uh, it uh, is heard in quite a few uh, countries and locations around. I'd like to ask everybody if you'll do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. We added a subscribe button down there on the uh, bottom uh, right-hand corner of your screen. It really helps uh, out YouTube to advertise our channel, and it brings new people to us, and uh, that's what we like to see. We like to see new people join us. Uh, so hit that subscribe button, if you will. Uh, hey, hit the like button tonight if you like the show. Like also helps us. And um, you can also hit that little bell. That bell's a notification button, and uh, if we ever come on during the week, you know, not a regular scheduled show, but come on during the week. That will let you know that we're on with something special uh, going on. So, uh, let's see. Um, some of the things going on. Oh, for, let me invite you to our Facebook group. Uh, our Facebook group is over 12,000 hams. And that Facebook group, just do a search for W5KUB. W5KUB, and uh, you can join our Facebook group. We'd love to have you. And uh, it's all about ham radio. And, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, ask me to be friends on uh, Facebook. Uh, every few weeks I, I have to make this announcement. Um, my personal Facebook group is mainly for, for family. I, I don't have, but not, not very many on there. And uh, you can find me over on W5KUB Facebook group with the 12,000 other hams. That's where I usually hang out most of the time. Uh, I just don't want to get 12,000 people on my personal Facebook group. I, I think everybody understands. So don't get don't get upset if I don't friend you. Uh, you're my friend over here, uh, and uh, we can chat anytime uh, you want to. So that gets that out of the way. Uh, you know, uh, everybody knows what's going on in the world. Haven't talked to Raisa in a while now. Uh, she basically uh, has decided that she has to just. Uh, put her videos and stuff on hold uh, for now. Uh, in fact, uh, I th she's probably having problems with Internet in Russia there. Uh, m many of the uh, Internet, um, uh, much of the Internet connectivity over there has been shut down, and uh, so it makes it difficult. So maybe someday we'll have uh, Raisha back on uh, here with us. Katie? I, you know, I haven't heard from Katie in the last week or two. Uh, we talked here uh, just a couple weeks ago, and uh, she says she wants to get back, and she's on some drugs, and she had some surgery on her shoulder, and uh, said that's, uh, she, it's, it's, it's given her a lot of trouble, and she's on a lot of meds and didn't want to be on a show taking all those meds. So I think Katie will be back with us. Riley Hollinsworth. Riley Hollinsworth will be with us next week. He's going to probably join us kind of regularly and uh you know he used to be on our show a couple several years ago uh i think he's going to be coming back uh riley was the 
chief uh, enforcer, uh, special counsel to the FCC for many years, where uh, he was in charge of the um, the uh, amateur radio service enforcement. So uh, since then, Riley has retired from there, but he's taken on the job with the ARRL, I think, in this volunteer monitoring uh, group. And uh, so he, that's uh, a real good fit for him still. Now, he may not talk about the monitoring program each time, but uh, we'll talk about a lot of different things. And uh, he can share with us what he can. Uh, well, let's uh, let's let's check out on our uh, remote connections here. Uh, hey, Glenn, how you doing, man? Oh, hanging in there. You know, we ended up getting that four inches of snow this last weekend. You know, fortunately, it all melted off the next morning. But uh, I've been starting things up in the lab. Uh, you know, we talked to AWRL, and we're working on another book right now. So, you know, back at full speed again, I guess. Well, yeah. Hey, we did get the snow. Got a little bit of sleet or something. Not much, but, uh, you know, hey, my I didn't even get to use my generator. Man, and that snow, you know, five, we got five inches here, and the next day it was gone. That's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, I, th I don't I th have a generator. Well, I'll tell you what. You, can, you hey, if you ever get uh, if you lose power, you can come up here and stay with me. Okay, we got extra. There you go. We got extra room upstairs there. Well, let's check out. Uh, let's check out. See what's going on with Alan there. And uh, I think I think some of that snow actually got up to him. Hey, Alan, how you doing? All right. How you doing? Good to see you. And uh, yeah, some of the snow, snow made it up here uh, into New Jersey on uh, on Saturday. Started off in the morning with rain and then sleet and freezing rain and flipped over to snow by about 9.30 in the morning and snowed till about, I don't know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And we wound up with, you know, a couple of slushy, slushy inches, but then uh, went down into the teens overnight. And so uh, Sunday was a pretty icy day Oh wow! because it didn't get out of the low 30s on Sunday. But since then, Monday and Tuesday, uh, we're both in the upper 50s and mid-60s. Today was in the mid-60s here. And it yeah. looks like we're going to be in a bit of a warming trend for the next uh, next several days. So uh, what's left of the snow is is quickly going away. So that's okay. It was, in a, it was in the 60s here. It felt pretty warm today. I went out and did a little work in the yard, and uh, it, it, was, it was pretty nice. I, I think uh, all of our snow and, and bad weather probably, our winter, I think, is probably going to be gone now maybe maybe we're in springtime now yeah i hope so not yeah. that it's done I'm, I'm done with it so hopefully it's done with us <laughs> yeah yeah and uh it'd be time to get out there and kind of straighten up the antennas again and check them out and uh do yeah. a little adjustment on them yeah i want to do a little playing more with uh i, I built a, an nfed a 49 to 1 uh you know transformer yeah for an nfed half wave I did that in, in January, and I did a little video on that build. And then uh, we had a warm day in February, and I did a quick check with a 40-meter half wave on that. And it looked pretty good, but I want to do some more experiments with it. So I've been waiting for uh, the weather to get better again. I'd set up a, um, a temporary mast, literally a mast. It was at the 25-foot mast from an old sailboat. Uh -huh. And I bolted that to a fence post, so, uh, so it's got a pulley at the top. So it makes it really easy for me to... Let down the let down the end of it. Attach an antenna, hoist it up. So I want to do some more experimenting with that. Well, you know, I and I built a couple of those uh, forty-nine to ones uh, here, and uh, 
play, just played with them. I'm really not running a uh, uh, NFED. Well, I am running an NFED. Actually, I'm running a I'm running a uh, half wave. Well, maybe it's not a half wave. I think it's a five eighths wave. No, that's a half wave. Uh, uh, a vertical. I mean, it's an NFED, but it goes straight yeah. up. Okay. Uh, same same matching and everything there, but uh, I uh, I built mine up to uh, handle a kilowatt. Now your the balance are you making a little bit smaller balance? Yeah, I just the one I got is the the kit that's sold by the AWRL. It's, oh, okay. it's actually an HF kits kit. Uh, it's only got one toroid, one toroid? In it, so it's probably good for a few hundred watts max. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I built uh, one or two up here where I doubled up the toroids in there and. Uh, it's supposed to handle more power. I, I really never. What I ended up doing out there to handle the high power, uh, I used just a, a, a big doorknob capacitor and a, and a big coil, yeah. and right, uh, right. you know just tuned tuned that. So yeah, the thing with the capacitor on that because the capacitor goes on the primary. Yeah, the capacitor doesn't see the high voltage that's on the primary, but it does see a fair amount of current. Yeah. So that's yeah. why you need. Uh, usually, people use a high voltage capacitor there because that can handle the current, but the doorknob caps can handle the current too. So, yeah. And you know, back uh, in the early days of TV, when I strip those things out of an old TV, I, I never thought I'd be using them fifty years later. But now, a doorknob capacitor is pretty expensive. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. interesting you talk about stripping things out of old equipment. It's a little bit of uh, what we're going to talk about in my quick tips uh, tonight. So we'll talk about that later. Okay, we'll uh, we'll get to that, and then we'll uh, open up the uh, phone lines uh, pretty soon right after that, and we'll take questions too tonight on. on All right, sounds great. So let me uh, let me give you guys just uh, an update on you know several things. We're, one thing I'm going to talk about tonight is I'm going to talk about. Um, converting a um, you know a computer power supply into a bench supply and it's really easy and it's kind of neat and it'd be fun and probably nearly everybody out there has got a couple old computers in the attic or somewhere that uh, uh, you're not going to ever use again and uh, you could take that you could take that power supply out we'll talk about that in just a, a couple minutes so I want to give you an update just real quick uh, before we get into that um, and talk about uh, our uh, our flight 108 uh, W5KB 108. You know we made it around the world once, and we're on our uh, we're on a good good start here to go around the Earth uh, for our second lap. Don't know how many times we make it. We might make it six, seven times around. Uh, I just don't know for sure. But if you look at it uh, right now, we are over uh, Egypt right now, and there's a there's a picture of the map. It's asleep right now. You can see it's still in the dark, uh, in the, in the darkness there. And uh, so we're we're still traveling, uh, but we're not transmitting just because there's no sunlight on our solar panels. So you can see right there we're in um, we're right over Egypt. And uh, let's throw the prediction on there. I'm gonna put the prediction on there so you can see where this thing is gonna go. So uh, there's the NOAA prediction, and that's the same type prediction that you see on the hurricanes on the on the weather uh, where they have different models. Uh, and you can see here. Let me zoom in. You can see there's a lot of different models right here, and uh, but they're all pretty tight and they're all following pretty much the same. Uh, same path so we're going to be uh we'll be coming live tonight probably about midnight central time 
That'll be about 1 o'clock uh, Eastern Time. We'll be coming live again with uh, W5KB108. Uh, and we expect we'll probably be over uh, Iran. I think we'll be over Iran here when it when it wakes up tonight. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we can uh, slip across there without them seeing us. Uh, it looks like. And then we're going to go a little bit high. We're going to go up in the stands up here. And then it looks like uh, after we pass India, we're going to kind of come down kind of low. And actually, it uh, looks like we're going to come down as low as uh, Thailand. And we're going we're gonna to hit Thailand there, and then we'll uh, uh, hang a left, and uh, we'll uh, go out over uh, Hong Kong uh, right there. And then we're out, we're out in the ocean here. Looks like we may miss Korea, and we may miss Japan uh, on this, this trip. Uh, but uh, that's kind of, well, that's, uh, that's what we're looking at right there. And uh, if anybody wants to track a balloon, it's really easy. If they just go to our website, go to W5KUB right there and click, uh, click balloon up there in our menu. Click balloon. You've got several ways that you can track it. Uh, you can click uh, this link here, and that will uh, be APRS. And you can see our altitude and speed and so forth. Uh, the next button down is Hab Hub. That's the picture I was just showing you, the map I was just showing you. If you want to look at the whisper data, you can click the next link down, and it gives you our whisper data. Looks like we've been up 15, 15 days and 9 hours and 30 minutes. So we're, we're doing really good with this one. When you go over the... Uh the Middle East there are there any spots there where you're not allowed to transmit that you're going to be quiet even if you're in daylight no the only spots that we're aware of is uh, North Korea Yemen uh, the UK and uh, was there another one maybe Glenn remembers I don't know Yemen um, yeah there is uh, what is it Yem is it Yemen Yemen yeah Yemen Yemen North Korea and uh, and uh, the UK so you can come on down and uh, got some neat things here. I've got a link here uh, for for Ventuski. And if you really want to, you, you saw the proposed uh, predicted flight. If you connect, if you click on like this link or this one over here, the Wendy or Ventuski, it's going to bring up the 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 wind and everything at that level. Uh, I'm going to click on uh, I'm going to click on wind speed. There we go. And then right now it's set for. 10 meters above ground. I'm going to go up to about 12,000 meters. That's getting close to where we are. And you can see the jet stream there. And uh, you can see the jet stream is doing looking pretty good right there. You look over the Middle East right now. Let's see. I'm going to put my cursor here. Look at that. Man, we've got wind speeds of 154 uh, going across uh, the Suez Canal there, uh, 100, over 100 miles an hour. Uh, over India, over 100. Let's just come on across. Over China, 150 in China, and we get out in the Pacific, and we're still looking at over 100 miles an hour here. So, so that's uh, that's a neat little link. If you want to see <clears throat> see where we're going, you can uh, you can click uh, on that link right there, and that'll give you uh, an indication of what the the jet stream is doing at that time. If you scroll on down, I've, I've actually got a map embedded here that shows you uh, right now the our balloon is over Egypt right there, and that, that is a moving map. 
We've got a video there of the launch. We've got some description information down here uh, telling you uh, a little bit about the makeup of uh, 108 and uh, what we're trying to do and what we expect out of it. And then we've got just some uh, random pictures down here of some of the other flights and some of the things that uh, we've done to, uh, to uh, you know, build the tracker. And you can see there's a part right there at the end of the needle. Uh, you know, some people are asking me, you know, will I sell them a tracker? Well, I, you know, I don't. Guys, let me explain to you what my problem is with the trackers. And I, I, I probably have built about 20 now. The problem is it's so small and so difficult. About one out of three don't, do not work. And it's very tedious putting this thing together. Uh, I can uh, occasionally troubleshoot one and, and get it going. Usually it might be a, you know, a bad solder joint or something. Uh, but uh, it's just, uh, you know, once I get the little, uh, the little tracker built, uh, there's more to it. I got to put the solar, solar cells together. I got to put all the stuff together in a package and got to test it because <clears throat> we don't want it going out we want it working when we launch it so uh so you know i i really don't build any to sell or anything like that i spend probably a solid week in building one and testing it and and getting it all packaged together i, I can probably put a week into that real easy so you know i uh I really don't. Now, Bill has Bill has has a, a Scott tracker that he uh, uh, sells, and uh, it's pretty reasonable. And uh, if you want to get with Bill uh, W B A E L K, uh, you can get a tracker from Bill. It comes complete, man, with the solar panels on it. Uh, it comes with the antenna wire, the string. Uh, it comes with everything. It even comes with a balloon, a small balloon. So uh, if you you know if this is one of your first flights, get with get with Bill and I recommend it. You just uh, you just purchase that. You can you can get a, a flight off pretty inexpensive uh, for less than less than a couple hundred bucks. Uh, you can get your first flight off and get a little uh, experience with it, and then you can expand. It probably took us about a year to get geared up uh, with. Uh, I like to never found a soldering iron that would work this small. Uh, it also, to build this tracker, it also takes a, uh, uh, what, rework uh, heat gun. There's actually some parts on here that uh, I have to put on here with, with air, hot air. Um, and, uh, you know, I couldn't have done it without my microscope. Uh, you know, if you, if you try to build one of these, you need a microscope, too, so... That's one of the reasons it's not that I don't want to help you out. I'll be glad to help anybody. And I've had several people uh, talking to me, and I've been helping them out with uh, balloons and, and helping them determine, you know, what kind of lift to use and answering questions. I'll be glad to help you. It just uh, I'm not in any position to try to build uh, these at this time uh, for, for other people. Uh, so that's kind of. Where we are on 108, we hope uh, about midnight it wakes up again. I think we're on our good track to go around the world twice. Guys, I'm hoping for for staying up three or four or five months. Um, and uh, I'm hoping for a bunch of times around the world. So uh, we're going to wake up in the morning and see where, where it's been. It'll probably still be moving uh, a couple hours in the morning after we get up. Hey, yeah, this one's 
seems well, to be holding altitude pretty good. This one, this one is doing uh, really well. Uh, this is uh, a cheap uh, balloon that we found that actually is almost equivalent in flying altitude to the SBS. I mean, we're flying at 43, 44,000 feet now. And that's typically what the SBS balloon would fly. And uh, in the past, there was not another balloon. We've been, everybody's been looking for years, and we've been trying to make them and buy them and look for balloons, and we just couldn't find anything that would fly higher than about, you know, 28 to 30, you know, your cheaper balloons. Or, if, or you went with the SBS for 170 bucks, and it would fly higher and fly over the storms better. But uh, that SBS balloon is very expensive, and um, we had some issues with it. So we're glad we found this balloon here, 23 bucks. I think uh, we've also found the same balloon under a different name for maybe $16, uh, and they're readily available out there. So um, it's uh, it's a good alternative uh, to to that all right so hey I want to talk to you tonight very quickly about a little project that I'm looking at here you know I told you guys uh, a couple weeks ago I was want to build me another power supply I got, I got a little variable bench supply I use for everything and I don't know why I need another one but uh, I was gonna build me another little supply and I had bought one of these little uh, buck uh, buck boost converters that that it's got a uh, it's got an encoder wheel in the front and, and a readout here and it will actually read the voltage and the current uh, and uh, you can adjust it uh, let's say if you put if you have a 12 volt supply you can put this on a 12 volt supply and since this is a buck and boost this will actually let you tune well not tune but adjust that voltage from a half a volt up to 30 volts so that's kind of that's kind of cool, and it's just a little package here, and it'll snap in. You just cut your little rectangle hole and snap that in uh, to your case. But uh, I think I'm gonna do something a little bit different uh, on this one, and I, I'll uh, I'll keep this for a, a, a third project. So you know, one of the things that uh, I, it interests me. I never done this, but I've I've been looking into it, and it looks really simple. And that is, you know. Turn a computer power supply into a bench supply. Now, I'm sure everybody probably has one or two junk computers that you just won't give away, but they're up in the attic and they're so old or XP or whatever, and, and you just, you know, hey, the hard drive's bad, whatever, slow. The power supply in here is a good power supply. Get that power supply, and I, I I pulled out a little what is it, ATX supply here. This is what they look like. You probably you know you probably got one of these in your attic. You know, got some forced air in it. It's uh, got a bunch of wires coming out, lots of wires that come out of this thing. And that might you might think, well, that's uh, man, there's too many wires coming out. But there's a real simple thing solution on this. Let me open this up and. Uh, I'll uh, show you just a quick inside of what it looks like. So, you know, it's, it's pretty standard. It's a switching supply. You know, there's no transformer in there, uh, you know, like a, uh, like a, uh, uh, one of your really heavy duty, uh, uh, what is it, linear supplies. This is a switching supply. But, you know, 
A lot of these small supplies that hams buy uh, are switching supplies. And uh, that's exactly what this is. Now, I was going to, I was going to try to mount this in this case right here. But I don't, I don't have a lot of room inside here with everything going on. So I've decided not to. So I'm going to, I'm going to do something a little different with this one. So let me show you what um, what the wires and, and, and all the other things are here. Let's look at this real quick. So there's a lot of information. Like the, I pulled this off dronebotworkshop.com, and uh, he's got a great write-up and pictures and even a video on how to convert these things. But that's an ATX computer uh, power supply there that he's turned into a bench supply. Um, there's a picture of the inside. Looks just like looks just like the one I, I showed you there. Now let's look at uh, let's look at something. Here's the label on mine. And if you look at that right there, you see 12 volts at 17 amps, and you see 12 volts at 10 amps. Okay, just re remember that. There's five volts up there at 13 amps. There's three volts at 10 amps. Got some pretty good current handling now on my workbench. I, I I don't need 20 amps or 25 amps, but uh, I think you could easily get uh, 27 amps uh, out of this power supply. Now, if you look at the uh, wiring here, uh, the colors the colors mean something. Now, there's there's two different ATX power supplies. One of them has a 20 pin plug on it. This particular one here has a 24-pin plug on it, but uh, it's basically all the same, all the same uh, uh, wires, and they're color coded. For instance, uh, if you look at orange, the orange is 3.3 volts. All the oranges are 3.3 volts. All the reds are 5 volts, and uh, the yellow is 12 volts. Uh, and of course, black is your your uh, common or, or ground. Now, so let's look at this picture right here. Okay, this is a little better picture with the colors out there. Now, the thing about it is, the to to, to get the current out of this thing, you just tie all the all the uh, same color wires together. Uh, just uh, cut the plug off, and you can tie all the uh, all the uh, Yellow wires together, that's your 12 volt. Tie all your uh, red together, 5 volts. Your orange is 3 volts. And that gives you more current there. Um, so if you were using this as a 12 volt supply, you were using it as a 12 volt supply it, on mine. And mine is a small supply. This is a really old supply. But uh, if, you look at, if you look at the uh, thing here, uh, you got 10, you got, uh, uh, you got 17 amps and, and 10 amps. I think that's 20. That's 27 amps right there. Now, if you're not pulling current off the other parts of this power supply, that's even better because uh, uh, I, I, that gives you a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra that that you can you can pull on the 12 volt side where you know you're not bogging the power supply down. Uh, so let's uh, so if you look at this, there's your colors there. Now there's a couple special leads in here. There's a a, a green lead that's your power on. Uh, 
your power uh, power on lead. It's a power sense lead. Uh, there's a, a power good lead, and there's a standby lead. And let's see. Um, there's also a uh, minus uh, five and a minus twelve in here. Now, hey, let me let me tell you. If you just wanted a if you wanted a minus twenty four volt power supply, you're gonna actually hook the minus twelve and the plus twelve up, and you'll have minus twenty four volts there. The same way you can use any combination. You can use the you can use a minus five and a twelve, and a minus five and a twelve would give you seventeen volts. Uh, and uh, so that's kind of neat. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to build this up. Let's look at let's look at the voltages again here. So we got ground five volts, twelve volts, three, and so forth. Uh, okay. So here's uh, here's what the author on in the, in the on the web showed. So it's pretty basic. Uh, as I mentioned, the the, the orange is three point three volt. Now he did put uh, three fuses out there. I'm not going to fuse. I'm not going to put fuses into my leads because the power supply has internal uh, internal sensing mechanism in it where if there's a short or a problem, the power supply will shut down. So I'm not going to put these uh, uh, fuses on there. Uh, I probably won't put a standby uh, LED on there. I'll just put a power LED on there. You notice that uh, gold thing uh, down at the bottom, uh, kind of toward the left. That's actually a resistor, and you have to tie the five volt lead to ground through a resistor. And uh, and what that does, that loads it down, and it makes the power supply work. Now, some power supplies will run without that resistor in there, uh, but my research showed that. Uh, if it's not loaded down, uh, that it will not regulate very well. So it takes something like an 8 to 20 ohm uh, resistor, uh, about a 10 watt. I've got some, uh, I've got some 20 ohm here, 25 watt. These are neat little uh, uh, resistors. You can, you can put a little. Uh, dope under there and you can actually uh, screw them down to the chassis to help uh, support the heat you know but uh, again this is a 20 this is a 25 watt one here and I think you need about a 10 watt uh, uh, power resistor so this will go inside my box on the 5 volt lead just to kick it off and to make sure that it's running uh, it's regulated uh, what I might do in this one and I showed you this uh, oh I think I might well maybe I didn't show you this in a while but you know, on eBay, you can find many of these things. This is a, this is just a little snap-in uh, voltage and amp meter, and uh, it's it's really nice. You can read the voltage on the top line. You can read the current on the bottom line, uh, and uh, I've got one here that uh, not very deep, and uh, it will it'll actually just snap in. So if I can cut a rectangle hole in this in this case over here. I'll probably snap this in, and I'll probably uh, put that on a 12-volt side. What I'm going to do is, uh, in the junk box, I had some, uh, uh, what do you call these, Glenn? Glenn? What, what do you call these, Glenn? What is it? I can't see it. 
banana jacks or uh, banana jacks. Banana, yeah. Okay, but banana jacks couldn't think of the word. So I've got some uh, uh, banana jacks. Here's a red one, but it didn't have a hole in the front. Now the nice thing about the hole in the front is you can plug in a, a banana plug into it. So I'm going to put these duals. I've got some of these duals here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to uh, put two of these on my my box over here for three volts. I'm going to put two for five volts. And I'll put these two in here for the 12 volt, and uh, I probably will will snap this in and put this on the 12 volt side, and um, <clears throat> I have a nice little uh, little 12 volt supply there. Um, I, was, so, I was wondering, Tom, you yeah. mentioned connecting like the, the two 12 volt leads together. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Since they have different current ratings on that power supply, that tells me that they're running in kind of separate regulator loops. Yeah, and it, it also tells me if you connect them together, are they going to fight each other a little bit if they're just slightly off? Uh well, I think they would be off if I think they would be off if the voltage was different. If the voltage is the same, just I mean, a difference in current, I don't think is going to make them feel off to each other. Yeah, but if one is at if one's regulating to twelve point one, the other one's really really you know rated to twelve, the one's going to. You keep trying to pull the other one up and then dump current into that one to, to try to bring yeah, it up. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 you know, that's something that we'll play with. That's a good. That's a good question, uh, Alan. Now, I wouldn't something think that you'd we'll, want to tie I'll, them together. That's what I'll. I, that's what I'll. Uh, I'll look at and and we'll uh, do some measurements and and do that. Uh, uh, I was just going to use in, in a ten uh, volt ammeter and stick it between you know, if you connect them together to see if you get yeah. a current flow one way or the other. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, um, since I haven't built it yet, I was just looking at all the directions. There's several nice videos and, and websites out there showing how to convert these, and that's what they were they were recommending. But you know what? We may we may find something wrong with that. You know, we may we may fix it. Works better. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll look at that and uh, uh, give everybody a report on it uh, after we get it going. And then yeah, and N7XGR kind of. Put a, put a link to an eBay item uh -huh. that is basically a little circuit board that's got the 24-pin connector at one end and yeah. a row of banana jacks at the other. <laughs> that's that's true. You can buy. You can actually buy a a little a board that's got the matching 24-pin yeah. plug and just plug into this, and you've got a power supply. You don't have to do any of this. So uh, that's yeah. uh that's another thing I was going to mention. Thank you, uh, Bruce, for. Uh, uh, telling us about that, I uh, I forgot, but I, I did want to mention that. So, um, one was seventeen, one was ten. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say uh, one of the things that I have done is you know a power supply with like seventeen amps on the twelve volts. They make pretty decent mobile rig power supplies for the shack. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, if we think about it, I, I think and, and and Alan, you got a good point here. We do need to do some testing and, and check it out. Uh, you know, it's like, um, well, not sure what it's like. I would, <laughs> I would think it, uh, I would like, think, like it, I would think if the voltage, right? I think if the voltage is different, would have, would have probably have completely different problems, uh, if the voltages were different, but, uh, oh yeah. But I mean, even, even yeah. ones that are rated to be the same, they're not going to yeah. be exactly the same. So right, yeah, right. there's going to be a difference. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll uh, hopefully uh, I'll get that done pretty soon. What my 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 plan would be just to uh, probably just on the side here. Uh, I'm gonna put, you know, we'll have three volt, five volt, and twelve volt 
up here and uh, I'll try to snap I'll probably try to snap this in on this side over here uh, to measure my current and so forth but uh, before we uh, permanently just tie all the, all the wires together we will we will uh, put some amp meter through there and see what the difference is and um, you know it's pretty straightforward everything we've got to do here uh, for instance to turn it on we just have to ground the green wire and if you look at the little switch there uh, the green the green wire is your uh, your power on and you just ground it and it turns it on because you got voltage on the power supply uh, all the time anyway so uh, yeah now Mike in the chat room is kind of echoing my thoughts on this uh -huh. which is all of those wires of the same voltage uh-huh come from the same tie point it's just that the wire gauge may be different yeah yeah you know i and, and that is a good point and i'm looking at it right here they they all do come from the exact same tie point so um okay if they do then you know, yeah then, yeah right but it's just odd that they kind of rate them at different different current levels yeah but, uh, I, i'm not sure why they do that unless if they're know, soldered to the same point on the board, then... Yeah, that, that doesn't you know. really make good sense, does it? Just the yeah. wire gauge, then, at that point. Yeah, it, it really doesn't, or but yeah. on the yeah. ATX connector, it's rated at that from some standard from years ago. Right, yeah. Yeah, okay. they're, yeah they're all, like I said, they're coming from the same type point on the board, then, heck, just... Yeah, well, that's, uh, I, I guess that, right here, but I I guess that solves the problem of tying them together, doesn't it? It's the right Right, thing, so. no need yeah. to do it. Yeah, well, well, I might want to just so I can have a little bit more current than than uh, one of the yeah. smaller wires, you know, maybe two of them or something. But yeah, uh, yeah. hey, thanks, uh, thanks for telling us that, guys, uh, yeah, in the chat room. And uh, uh, yeah, what about harmonics from electronics? I don't know. You know, uh, I've got the switching supply. You're gonna have some noise. Yeah. But as a general rule, I haven't found it. You know, the modern supplies, they're relatively I, quiet. I, I haven't I haven't either. I've got a, uh, what's the supply call with the transformer? Is that a linear uh, supply? Or, yeah, a linear or, supply. I've got a linear, a hefty Astron uh, uh, big supply here I run things on. But I also yeah, have a couple. Pound yeah, the 50 pound. Yeah, but I also have a couple of the uh, smaller, you know, 25 amp little uh, switching supplies. And I, you know, I don't. I, I've never had any problem hearing noise off of them. There probably is some. In fact, I've got one here, uh, switching supply, and it's a. Uh, but you're going to talk about the Alinko. I was going to say it's the Alinko with the pot that you can ship. Yeah, them. yeah. yeah I got one of them too. I got them looking over. It's the DM330MV. This is the Jetstream, and I imagine the same people make them, but. I've, I got a jet stream over here, and it's got the knob on the front to shift the shift the frequency. But I've never had any noise out of my yeah. Alinka. But I, you know, I've I have played with it. I have played with it and turned a knob, and I, I never heard any noise anywhere I put the knob on it. So you know, yeah, and the, and yeah, the the amount of noise it'll generate will also be a function of how much load you put on them too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about harmonics? Let's see. ICOM requires a 13.8, or they will not work. Uh, I, it probably depends a bit on the rig. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it depends on the model. Well, yeah, yeah and I've noticed that, uh, and, and I, I tried to uh, put a 7300 in my truck one time, and uh, 
when the when the key was turned off, when the, you know when the motor was not running, uh, it, it wouldn't transmit. So he's he's actually right. It needed that uh, 13 volts to. Uh, yeah, but but I've got you know I got a 706 that would run on nine volts. Yeah, so it'll fine. receive it'll receive yeah. fine on 12 volt, yeah. but it just wouldn't transmit on that. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I, uh, I think my 706 would run down to about 9.6 and would transmit. It wouldn't do 100 watts, but it would transmit. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, a number of different people, MFJ and others, make a well, I guess it's a boost uh, that you can uh, put on your car to boost your voltage up to the 13 point. Yeah, uh, they just volt. released a new yeah. one, by the way. Oh, did they? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I think they call it the Pro or whatever, but, you know, yeah, they have their battery booster, and then they just yep. released a new one because I saw it down in Orlando. Yeah. All right. It almost well, came home with me. What was that? It almost came home with oh, me. Oh, yeah? All right. Yeah, but I had a I had 12 pounds in my suitcase of spare weight allowance so i was really you know stingy on what i could buy well you could always throw away some clothes and stuff you know and pack yeah it, or pack find joe eisenberg here. and use his spare suitcase yeah yeah right right all right well guys i hope that was interesting on the power supply we're going to try to put it together and um you know i i really don't need it but it looked like a neat little project to uh to do and uh, uh we're gonna we're gonna put it together and See how it how it works. Okay, uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Everybody, just stick with us. Uh, Alan uh, has got some uh, great segments coming up here. Didn't get everything on your holiday list? Now is the time to spice up your ham shack with Icom's new IT52A handheld. This radio is perfect for staying in or venturing out. The ID52A is now shipping. ICOM's newest handheld amateur radio is a VHF-UHF dual-bander with D-Star and FM dual-mode functions. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex and worldwide calls over the D-Star internet gateway. The ID52A is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display and the ability to send photos over D-Star with a connected Android phone. Features include a wideband receiver with guaranteed range of 144 through 148 and 440 through 450 MHz. It has an integrated GPS receiver including grid square location. It also has a micro USB for data transfer, programming, and charging. And it's IPX7 waterproof. Visit www.icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radios. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. All right, and we are back. And uh, let's, uh, Alan, what are you going to talk to us? What, I'm, you always have such great uh, deals there that make us think. What do you got for us tonight? 
Well, a couple things. I mean, it's actually probably a good topic for tonight since you're talking about uh, projects for the lab uh, and, and on the bench and things like that. So I was thinking uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, two of the videos I did, I called quick tips videos. And they were just short, like two or three minute videos that introduced a little thing that, you know, to think about that, you know, maybe a little tip or something like that. One of them was little guys like this guy here. I don't know if you can see this. Looks like a little SMA connector, right? But it's an SMA male on one end and a female at the other end. And you yeah. say, what? well, what good is that? It's just a really short length of coax, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but what that is, it's called a connector saver or a sacrificial connector. Uh, and what oh, yeah. we use these for is on equipment that have got connectors on them, particularly ones that might be sensitive to handling. Um, uh, maybe like an SMA connector because it's kind of delicate like this or connectors on expensive piece of a test equipment, if that connector that's attached to the test equipment gets damaged, right, you're talking about a big bill to oh, yeah. replace that because yeah. now you got to pull the, pull the equipment apart and maybe have it recalibrated or something like that. So what you often do is you put these sacrificial connectors or connector savers on the end of the equipment. So that if this connector gets messed up, you just pull this connector saver off and you put a new one on there cool. and you really preserve and save the connector that's on the piece of equipment. Okay, so I use them. I've got these little SMA ones that I put on my Nano VNA. Uh, even though the Nano VNA isn't that expensive, um, you know, I do it just because I don't want to have to unsolder that Nano VNA connector. Now, of course, you also have to consider the fact that hanging this off the end of the nano VNA, you know, is going to make a little bit more of a lever arm that could potentially damage in the nano VNA. But if you're careful about that, it's not a bad idea to use these connector savers. Now, where I generally use them a lot more is on something like a more professional VNA, where it might have an end connector, which is a good beefy connector. It's not going to get damaged that easily. But a VNA is one of those instruments that you're always connecting and disconnecting things from for calibrations and things like that. So having a sacrificial connector there is a good idea. Um, another little tip on, on any RF connectors, um, especially those that can go up to several gigahertz, and it's something that you know, I, admittedly I'm not as careful about as I should be, is when you're connecting them up, you really want to use two hands or two wrenches because you don't really want the center pin to spin. You don't want the center pin to spin in its receptacle because that scratches uh, the connector. It could also distort the fingers on the, the socket for the center pin. If you're talking about inexpensive SMA connectors, you're running them at VHF or UHF, you're not really going to notice a difference. When you start operating at 5, 10, 15 gigahertz, that does make a difference. So you really want to be careful about you know, when you put these RF connectors on is to when they mate, keep the, the body of the connector from spinning and only turn the nut to, uh, to tighten things up on and off. So that's just the one quick little tip is connector savers, not a bad idea to have to preserve the, uh, the pristineness, if you will, of the connectors that are on your pieces of equipment. The other thing I thought I'd talk about is uh, sources of useful bits and pieces that we use on the bench all the time. And one of the things that I kind of focused on in my last video on this was sources of just bits of wire. Inside, you know, if you, you ever open up uh, consumer electronics like VCRs and CD players and stereo equipment, especially from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, 
you'll find lots of wiring harnesses in those things. And I've for years have been stripping out the wiring harnesses out of those things before the rest of the stuff gets stripped out and tossed. Because, you know, not only is it a good source of just, you know, pretty decent quality wire that uh, usually stranded. So it's, it's flexible and things like that and good for working on little projects and things like that. So it's just a really nice source of that. But there's actually a couple more interesting things about it that uh, um, are really useful for us here uh, when working on stuff on the bench. One is that a lot of that wire, particularly if you're in, into a VCR or a tape deck, sometimes that wire are little bits of shield wire, little bits of coax. This is actually mm -hmm. about a two foot length of, of shielded wire. Now it's probably not 50 ohms, but if you're just looking for a shielded piece of wire to keep you know, a, a sensitive circuit from picking up noise or something like that, I, don't, I might have to go measure some of this stuff to see what impedance it actually is. But, I mean, if you want to go out and buy some bits of, of thin-gauge shielded wire, I mean, that costs you a pretty penny. You can get it by the handfuls in an old tape deck or an old VCR. And uh, sometimes it's already kind of broken out into you know soldered ends at one end, and then sometimes even has a little connector at the other end. But you can get you know little pieces that are a couple inches long to sometimes, you know, like I said, this one is about uh, two feet long that I pulled out of something. I forget what, but I got a whole box full of this stuff. And I use it uh, fairly often. So that's uh, that's another handy little bit that you'll find inside uh, some of the old equipment. And then finally, what I've also found is that a lot of them will have these little tiny you know connectors to connect up to uh, little sockets or little pins on the board, little uh, like... 25 mil square pins or something like mm -hmm. that. So you got these little socket, you know, type of things that are at the ends of the wire, already pre-soldered or pre-crimped and ready to go. And uh, what I found is kind of interesting is that these make really good test sockets. If you want to test, you know, for testing capacitors, diodes, transistors, things like that, especially things like transistors, got three leads on them, and you're trying to connect up to a little transistor checker, and, you know, you can't hold three probes, you know, with your with two hands very easily to, to hold against these wires when you want to test a part. And using the alligator clips oftentimes, you know, the clips will short because those leads are all close together, especially like on a little TO92 can or something, TO92 transistor or something. Those will all slip really nicely into one of these connectors. Just slip those wires where the, the plug would normally plug in. So it makes really good test sockets that you can use for your LCR meter, for your transistor checker. If you're looking up to have something like a curve tracer, really nice. And what I did with this particular one, it was only about six inches long. So on this end, it's got my test socket for diodes, transistors, and things like that. And on the other end, I just put three little banana plugs. So I can take this little wiring harness, plug it right into my transistor checker or my curve tracer, plug the transistor in there, and I'm good to go. And what did this cost me? Well, the wire cost me nothing. And I picked up a whole pile of these little banana, banana plugs at a ham fest years ago. So it really didn't cost me anything but a little bit of time. But there's an incredible amount of good, useful bits and pieces like this if you start stripping out some of that old electronics. Now, some of the newer stuff, um, stuff from the you know, that might only be 10 or 15 years old, they got more and more highly integrated. And there's... Fewer and fewer wiring harnesses in them. It's just a single circuit board. Everything is called kind of modular and plugged together. You don't have the wiring harnesses that you do that you find often in like stuff like the the seventies, eighties, and nineties. So uh, so act while you can still get your hands on some of this stuff. 
and pull some of it out. Uh, even as you know, the, these old power supplies from the uh, um, uh, you know the computers, that that wire coming out off of those is generally a pretty decent quality, high temperature, uh, reasonably high temperature stranded wire. Again, a good source of hookup wire to use for your own projects and things like that. So, so don't overlook that stuff. Um, you know, they can might be really useful for you uh, in the bench. You know, when you're working on the bench. And I thought we'd kind of do this segment now. And here we are about five minutes before we open it up to the rest of the world here. And I'd uh, love to maybe continue the discussion with uh, with the rest of you folks to and what other tips and tricks do you have that you find really useful in working on the bench? Because uh, it's kind of like a, a electronics workbench hobbyist type of uh, episode tonight. So, <laughs> but that's all I, I really had, but uh, just some some useful little tips to think about and trying to build up your stockpile of junk to, to build your projects on the bench. Well, yeah. one of my favorite sources for wire is the ribbon cable that they use to connect the drives. Hmm. Um, about half the time, two-thirds of the time, it's stranded wire, not solid core. So uh, you get these nice little 12, 18 inches length of ribbon cables, and then you can peel them apart based on the number of conductors you need. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So if I'm going to build an Arduino cable to talk to a, a TFT display, that's eight pins. So I'll use one of those little eight-pin DuPont connectors and put the little crimp connectors on the end, and I'll strip off eight conductors worth of ribbon cable, and boom, I've got nice. got a built-in cable. Yeah, oh, I like that. Hey, you know, another little tip, and I've shown it here before, a lot of times I'm building things that might, be powered with a nine volt battery and you know the little the little nine volt clip and the two wires that oh yeah you know, usually you don't have them or you gotta you know order them hey just take an old battery and take your cutters and just bend the the metal back around that top and just pull that top off an old nine volt battery solder you a couple leads on it and you've got your nine volt clip yeah i i i went ahead and ordered like you know 20 or 30 from ebay for a buck and a half at some point down the road you just got to watch sometimes you get some decent ones some of them are you know, the first time you try to remove it off the battery the, the, the oh yeah yeah, yeah the, the the little snap stays stuck on the battery you're left with a hunk of plastic and two broken wires yeah yeah <laughs> i've been real lucky i think i've only had one out of the 20 do that the other okay. ones worked fine yeah but yeah you got to be got to got to pay attention i just went through a around i ordered a print head for one of my inkjet printers and the guy's ad stated that it was this model number and he shipped me something else and we went back and forth for two weeks fortunately it was amazon and then amazon finally stepped in and said you will give him his money back <laughs> okay oh yeah a couple people join us hey uh i guess we've now gone into the after the show show uh everybody uh you know, uh, round table is about an hour long, plus or minus, who knows what. And uh, this is a part of the show where we invite everybody in. It's called After the Show Show. So uh, please join us, and uh, we'll, we'll be glad to have you. And you're on the you're on the video show when you join us on uh, on Zoom here. And we got a couple well, more people here. First thing you got to do is give Charlie a couple of demerits. He yeah, missed the time yeah, change, yeah. and he was late. <laughs> oh no. Do they not do daylight savings time down in uh, Uruguay? I don't know. Well, probably not. 
Have I got? Have I let everybody in? Is uh, connected? Let's see. I think so. Okay. Well, I see yeah. Bill. I see Charlie. Well, I don't see Charlie, but I see that Charlie was here. Oop! Wrong button. There we <laughs> go. Okay. Let me post the link again. Uh, let's see. Post this link again for everybody. Come on, guys. You need to participate with us. Well, one thing I didn't mention earlier is this past weekend was the QSO Today online expo. Uh, oh, yeah. They had like 60 speakers, so 60 online forums. And it was really, really nice. They've enhanced the whole platform. They had little lounges where you can get in and chat. And it was all video chatting they really that like, thing is really like a convention or something i mean yeah it, they've did, really enhanced how it. was uh, how was the how was the food court um uh, well it was a little cardboardy i guess yeah <laughs> but, well, i guess the food court was your own kitchen at that point yeah but the, the overall experience was very very good yeah, i know last year they had some real problems with the platform and i i was just busy yeah. this weekend and didn't get a chance to uh to even join up uh, this year, so I, yeah. I didn't really, I didn't get a chance to go into it. They did really nice. I think they said they had like four thousand people attending, and it didn't feel that way. Everything went very smooth, and like I say, being able to go to one of the lounges and sit at a table there, you could have multiple tables in this lounge, and you would have to move your icon or your avatar to this particular area and you would join that conversation and you wouldn't hear any of the other conversations. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it was very nice. Joe Eisenberg and myself and a bunch of others had a little round table going. Nice. And uh, now don't you have the Trenton festival coming up or has it already happened? Now that's, uh, that's actually this coming Saturday is the, uh, the Trenton computer festival, which has been going on for over 50 years now. And it's always been, a combination of a computer festival with a bunch of talks and panels and things like that, as well as a bit of a flea market for both computer and ham radio related stuff. So it was like a ham fest, computer fest. And then for the last, I don't know how many years, but certainly for the last 10 years that I've been doing it, we've been running a ham cram. Uh, so that's going to happen on Saturday. And where we basically go take about four to five hours to review, certainly can't teach, but to review the material for the technician class exam. And I base all my presentation materials on the KB6NU no-nonsense study guide. And uh, so I've got about 190 slides that we go through just to review the material to help people to, help people to realize what areas they're strong in, where they've got some questions, spend some time reviewing those areas where folks are weak, run a couple of uh, practice tests, and then follow it up with a real VE exam. And uh, over the last 10 years, all but I think one year, we had a hundred percent pass rate for everybody attending the class, and then we had one year where we had one person that didn't pass and that didn't uh, didn't want to retake the test. But uh, otherwise, we've had nearly a hundred percent pass rate on that. So that's coming up on uh, on Saturday, uh, the Trenton Computer Festival, uh, and the and the Ham Cram. So we do ask everybody who's coming to that to have kind of pre-studied the material, go through the uh, the study guide or whatever study materials you want, and just be prepared to go through a very fast-paced review um, to get going. And yeah, I know that some people have got you know an opinion about a cram that, well, you're not really teaching the material, right? You're teaching to the test. 
And you know, I and I, I agree that's that's a good, it's a valid criticism. But I always look at this saying that you know having there's a tech in a day there from Bill, very good. So I, I kind of view it as getting your ticket is kind of getting your ticket to learn. You don't you don't have to have your you don't have to learn everything before you join, but you want to get your ticket in the door and then learn as you go, and then learn enough to to be safe and not be dangerous and not being annoying and not be interfering with people uh, and not blow yourself up. And then the rest of that is learning as you go from other folks that you meet on the air and things. So I kind of view the ham cram in that light. So, and I'm sure that's what you do with yours, Bill Ryan. Well, mine. Okay, you 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 get a, a booklet. All right, and there's a schedule. You let's see if I can get it. Yeah, it's kind of focusing. <laughs> you can see it. All right, you, yeah. you 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 register at eight o'clock, okay, and nine o'clock is the first session. You get forty-five minutes to study the questions, okay, such as the first section. It's got seventy-eight questions. There's all the questions for the for for the exam, okay, with the correct answer highlighted, okay. So basically, you give them forty-five minutes per section. A 15-minute break, an hour and 15 minutes for lunch. You start at nine, you end about 3:45. You give the exam at four. I have an 87.2% passing rate. I can honestly okay. say that I, you know, with this method, okay, it, it, it's proven to be uh, somewhat resourceful. And okay. uh, this one girl took it. She went home. She went over to her friend's house and she goes, I got my ham license and her father was a ham. And he goes, well, where did you do that? And she says, oh, down at ham exposition. So he called me on the phone. Okay. Yeah. And he screamed at me and he said, you're not <laughs> teaching him anything. I said, look, they have the book. I says, and I says, there's reference materials in the back. I says that they, they, they can read. I says, I told them, I says, you can read all this stuff after the case. After yeah. the fact, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we kind of we kind of take the other you know, the other tack with ours. You know, we where I I I kind of review the concepts rather than the specific questions. Uh, so it, it's just one one kind of step removed from what you're doing, but they both reach the same goal: is to is to get people aware enough of of the things that they need to be cognizant of to get on the air, and then learn learn after that. Yeah, and uh, well, you know, my my I take on that. My, my take on that is yes. if they have ahead, the drive to study for the test, then that's the most important part of all. You know, how they get the answers yeah. to me is almost irrelevant. Yeah. Looks like we got uh, see Charlie's now, on, but no video. So we've got Anthony on here as well. And we got Joe. Hello, everybody. The, the, yes, I have no video today, no camera. Okay. So just right. wanted to say hi. Boy. All right. I was uh, reading on one of the one of the what what this thing here represents is all three of all four hundred and twenty three questions. Okay, I I sign them up at least a month in advance, and I tell them to buy the technician book, and I tell them to go online and watch watch the videos at W four E E Y. I tell them to play around in hamstudy.org in the study mode where they can actually go against the questions without, you know, failing, okay? If they don't know, they can click don't know, and it'll give them the answer. 
and four or five questions later, it comes up and it asks them again. Okay, okay. just to see if they're paying attention. I mean, you know, I mean, people with no experience, no electronics, whatever. I mean, you know, you try to help them out the best. Well, you can, there's you know? a lot of learning. I guess they have to learn uh, after they get their license. I, I follow a group on That's Facebook. Right. I follow a group on Facebook, and I was reading one yesterday. The guy says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my test today. Uh, he said, I'm taking my test today. Uh, I haven't got a radio yet, but I'm thinking about getting this Baofeng U5 RV. And he said, I have a question. You know, I live here in California. Will that provide me reliable communications with my brother and sister in Georgia and Mississippi? This is the radio I'm thinking about. And I'm thinking, wow. He's gonna he's he's gonna have some severe learning after he gets a license. Yeah, well, doesn't the Bay, Bay of Feng have have one that does D Star or DMR or one of them? I don't I don't know that any of them will. will do I that, don't know. I mean, I, I don't do know. DMR or digital radio. You know, I guess it's all right. Uh, uh, you know, you're using the internet. <laughs> you, hey, you know, my thoughts are you're using the internet to talk to people on. Uh, you could easily do a Skype or Zoom with them. It would probably be uh, cheaper. But, you know, Echo it's, that's Echo the cool thing works. about ham radio is you've got that versatility of yeah. doing what you like and don't doing yeah. what doesn't interest you. Well, it's a lot different now than it was 50 or 60 years ago when I got my license. It's completely new people. You know, it's all digital age, new young people. And uh, uh, that's just that's just where ham radio is today. But, you know, what's interesting is I find that no matter how the people get in the hobby or what they're, uh, you know, with the digital stuff and everything else, inevitably a large percentage of those gravitate back to CW and want to mm -hmm. learn and work CW. Yes, I am 40 years later. Uh, Forty years yeah. after getting my first license, I'm 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 about ninety percent CW now because I've just moved back into it the last couple of years. Although yeah. I was watching this new TV show called I Was There on the Discovery Channel, and they were talking about the Jonestown, Pennsylvania flood in the 1800s, and the CW key or the telegraph key on the desk was a vibroplex. <laughs> paddle and i'm like um i saw i think i saw it somewhere yeah i'm like yeah. uh this ain't quite right who's your continuity expert here yeah yeah well it could be used if you're just gonna bang one side of it yeah but that's what they were doing <laughs> hey and i'm like no <laughs> hey i don't know if you guys saw it or not i in in qst this month there's an article in there a qrpp transmitter i'm gonna build it for the show and it's potato powered you power oh, wow. you power the QRP rig with potatoes. Is this, get, this is the April issue, is it not? Oh, oh wait a minute, man. Wait, but I, I got I got to go back oh, and look again. I, I got to go yeah. back now. Oops. This is this is the April issue, but uh, yep. I, don't I know haven't gotten my April issue yet. But it is the April issue coming yeah, up. I, it, it just oh, came man. in yesterday, and oh. I haven't had a chance to open it. They got you, Tom. Well, I don't know if they did or not. I, look, well, hey, first of all, I know. I mean, I, I do know a potato will put out voltage, and to get the voltage and current he needed, he had to series, I think, he had to series, I think, five or six potatoes. Now, yeah. 
He had voltage and current measurements out of each potato. And also, uh, it's proven that and he, he even cooked the potatoes, and, and a cooked potato will give you more voltage and current than a raw potato. And how do you determine the polarity to put these things in? Well, series? you've got a zinc plate and a copper plate, you know that you that you put in them. So hey, you, a penny, a penny, and then whatever you use at the other one, you, yeah. you measure the voltage across hey, them. So. Tom, yeah. I got a bridge I'd like you to invest in. Yeah. with me. Well, I, 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 you, 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 hey, you're absolutely right. It, it is a April issue, but I, I think it's uh, you know I I looked at the diagram. It it looks uh, like it works. It would have gotten me too. No, it looks I like totally work. it worked. It, it's, it. it's QRPP, and what they're using, Glenn, they're using a little uh, 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 TXCO. You know, like like I'm putting yeah. on a tracker here that runs about one milliwatt. It's it's like a you know voltage tuned. Uh, or, Theoretically, you know. they could probably actually do that. Yeah. However, I do not believe. That in an April issue of QST, that that well, would actually well, be a functional Now he did project. say he made a contact with his club three miles away. Now see, now that sounds. If he'd said I made a DX contact with it, I'd be questioning it, you know. But I mean, it all looks. It, the diagram that looks just right. Says whoever it is is a very good writer. The diagram looks right to me. I know a potato will put out voltage. It'll put out current. Um, oh yeah, uh, I think it work. I, th- I think it'll work. So, the guy in Idaho trying to sell potatoes. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. hey <laughs> now, we if didn't you get, want to get more hey. power, you got to go with the sweet potato because everybody no, no, knows no, no, no. that there's more energy in sugar. Have you not seen a commercial, the Idaho potato on the back of that 18 wheeler? Yeah. Now, that one would probably power a linear. That'll, yeah, that'll, that'll do a linear, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they would have gotten me too, Tom, because I I don't I look. Guys, I always forget about April Fool's Day. Right. I'm going to prove it works. I'm going to prove it works. Okay, oh, I, this I'm going to be fun. Yeah, you know, I'm going to prove it works. I mean, the, the the schematic only has two or three parts, and I know the schematic will work. If you put a battery on it, it'll work. The only thing in question here is will a potato power it? Power it, and I'm going to do that for the show one night. Um. I think the wife has some, a new a new thing of potatoes in there in the pantry, so I, I'll uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for the show. We'll get over on the workbench one night, and we're gonna have a potato powered QRPP rig. Yeah, we'll be. It reminds me uh, years and years ago, and I think I've got it actually up on my website, and maybe it's something we'll share one night. Maybe we'll do it for the April episode, because I have a list of what I call the ultimate electrical engineers toolkit. And this includes things like um, a well, box of DBs. A lot of so when you need more gain. You can get a couple of pull a couple of DBs out. It has oh, a box oh. of negative DBs when you need to improve your like your return loss. Uh, it's got uh, it's got um, ideal cream, a little tube of ideal cream. So if yeah, you need an ideal yeah. diode in your circuit, you just rub this ideal cream on the diode. It's got um, management repellent. Know, so you keep the management out of your lab so you can get your work done. It's available the as a lab fogger or a hanging strip. <laughs> well, you need, you, the, you need the smoke injector. Put the smoke, yeah, the smoke injector. In. I've got the, oh, yeah. um, uh, let's see, I've got a couple of other ones that were pretty good. Oh, the, 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 the GAD system. Not a, not a CAD system, but a GAD system, which is a graphite-aided design. It's got the resharpable in, insert mode 
And then the flexible delete mode over here. The oh, excellent. That's similar to Dave Cad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, Dave yeah, Jones. Don't forget uh, the SWR spray. Yes. <laughs> so I'll, also maybe I'll break out that my list uh, for April, the April show. Oh, that would, that would be cool. A friend of mine years ago did something on what they called the super class because everybody was getting their extra and they needed a next level of super class. And I will have to dig that up because it will have you in tears by the time you're finished it. You have to QSL uh, another galaxy and you can't use the Bureau. <laughs> yeah, it just a whole series of those just a wonderful is done by henry wingate k4hal guy i used to work with uh, back when i was in birmingham anthony you're being awful quiet there tonight jump on in and same with you joe yeah no, i'm just sitting here um laughing my head off glenn um <laughs> no, I <don't. laughs> and, oh my god uh, i found a couple more here the i got a, a sorry glenn of, i got a tub of margin <laughs> When you need like gain margin or phase margin in your design, as a tub of margin. <laughs> oh. You got the the Miller Killer Spray, which will kill the Miller effect of you know that uh, that kills the bandwidth in your design. Parasitic pesticide. Uh, <laughs> table of Universal Fudge Factors. Tolerance trimming tools. All kinds of good stuff. Oh, I like that. Yeah, actually, um, years ago when I got accepted as an engineer. They gave me um, a very similar thing, the engineer's toolkit, and there was uh, lots of stuff in there that was very useful. <laughs> oh, loved it. Very cool. <clears throat> well, then my favorite, deadline solvent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need that. And the other thing they gave me was um, a new calendar that had uh, three Fridays in it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but didn't have Saturday or Sunday. No. <laughs> yeah, we need it by Friday. Oh, there, there's the potato <laughs> clock. Okay. Or the potato rig. You are PPPP transmitter. And potatoes. Like I said, it's, it's, as long as you can get enough power out of that, those batteries, those, those potatoes, which, you know. Yeah, if you stick the right electrodes into a potato. Oh, I didn't have my mic light. on. Uh, you don't want to run down the potato, so they did put a, <laughs> they put a switch in line. Hey, Tom. Yeah. Does the does that potato deal going to be it work in the same conjunction as your tree that you were trying to uh, to radiate? Well, the tree did radiate. The tree did, I think. Uh, well, we did prove the tree did radiate, so. This one, he, he says right here uh, in an article, he he needs, uh, I think, to, to, I think he had to put five, about five or six potatoes in series. But uh, it's a good article. And uh, he talks about, you know, the measurements and the cooked potato versus the uncooked potato and uh, so forth. So we're going to try this, guys. We're going to try it. I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't go to the trouble to build the uh, the, uh, the the uh, network here. But I'll. Uh, I've got some of these little uh, oscillators, so uh, we'll just hook one up and. Uh, I'm not familiar with the SG five thirty one. I'm not either. You know the ones that the ones that I use on uh, here. 
The ones I use on the uh, on the uh, tracker, they're uh, 27 megahertz. Hey, hey, I could I could work CB with it. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I, CB powered, potato powered, whatever. So yeah. Well, that's here we, not a, here that's we not go. A switch. That's a that's a CW key, right? To make it a CW. Oh key. well, you know what? I guess yeah, 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 yeah. It that, that's yeah. what it is. That's what it is. Now he said it is a little chirpy. It'll be a little chirpy. But, is it chirpy uh, or chippy? It's gonna be chirpy. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be chirpy. Minus two to minus five volts with eight potatoes. <laughs> yep. All right. Oh, I have found that license class proposal. We'll have to read it maybe next week or something. Because it's, it's it'll be a good five to ten minute read. All right. And it was superbly put together. You've got to have a DXCC above 500. Uh Holder of a 50 word a minute or greater code award. Mm. And uh, this actually gives me an idea. I might I might actually do an April Fool's video with my uh, my my Ultimate Engineers toolkit. So, oh gosh, yes, that would. Be I thought fun. I thought you were talking about the engineering kit that had the uh, WD40 in the in the uh, duct tape. Oh, yeah. the duct tape and then the and the vice grip pliers. No, no. Well, this, it was it's WD forty and WD forty and uh, you know duct tape. Is it supposed to move? Uh, uh, yes, and nothing wrong. No, then you put WD forty. Yeah, if if on it's it. moving, if it's moving, and it's not supposed to use the duct you, tape. You if it's not duct moving, tape. It's supposed yeah. to use the WD forty. Yeah, yeah. The yin and yang of troubleshooting. Right. Also, Alan, you need a a ram to it as well. Yes, you need a round to it. Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But uh, yeah, yeah, I love this in the chat room. Let's hope you don't fry the components. Yeah, Fry. That's yeah. why it's, it's 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 chippy, not chirpy. But uh, but David's got a good point. Uh, you could you could use lemons instead of potatoes. Lemons. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, maybe we try. Well. well. Yeah, that'll be I'll be you have a, a two way QSO, right? One guy's got a potato transmitter, the other's got the lemon transmitter. Let's That's get right. together and make a salad or something. I wonder, <laughs> wonder how hard it'd be to make a receiver just a simple single transistor receiver, receiver out of a potato, potato battery, you know, running on a potato, you know. You got to check in with uh, with Bill over at the Solder Smoke podcast. He's got some buddies that have done single transistor transceiver, you know, really ultra low power stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Put a little sea salt on them. Yeah, to increase it. Yep, yep. We can do that. Well, God, I, hey, it's going to work. Hey, maybe I need to move the potato powered transmitter up in front of my power supply here and do it yeah, first. Yeah, you might oughta. Maybe we need to do that first. Yeah, have that ready. For us in a week and you know two weeks. Yeah, he says. Unfortunately, you know it won't be an April first show, but because that's like well, on Friday. See, he says here, two to five volts. He gets that with eight potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What What did he use as the electrodes? Oh, he uh, about used a penny and what else? Let's see. Um. Uh, 
because you get the coppers easy, pen, you know, penny or circuit board or whatever. A copper but penny, a copper penny uh, is for the anode, and a zinc plated nail for the cathode. Yep. Zinc yep. plated nail. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's one of those articles that has so much truth in it that you almost have to go and say, you know, this could work. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it will work. Yeah. Now, Mike in the chat room does have a good piece of advice for you. What's that? And that's that you got to be aware of the. <laughs> that's the, good, Mike. What the potato that? skin effect. The skin effect. Let's got, look skin out for effect. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> now, right here, he referenced he referenced the Journal of uh, Renewable. Oh, hey, he 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 references the Journal of Renewable and Sustainable Energy, twenty ten. That's a ZNCU, vegetable batteries, bioelectrical uh, characterizations, and primary and cost analysis. So somebody's done a big study on this already with the batteries. That, that's giving it out. I mean, uh, vegetable batteries, come on. Yeah. Now, now here, here's the thing. KW3DX really got it right here. Launch it with a balloon, and you can call it Spudnik. Ah, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good uh, one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, uh, N seven XGR. I've got a little bit of an issue with that Himalayan salt. Um, yes, it is pure and all of this, but go to the grocery store. Do you realize that stuff has an expiration date? Yeah, it has, exactly. It has been underground <laughs> for thousands and tens of thousands of years. But it's going to expire on you next year. How do they know? How did they know to get it out now? Because in another year, you couldn't sell it. Well, that's the same way with bananas. You know, they, they pick them at a certain ripeness and then ship them. And they, they, they know on the salt. Well, they do the same. Actually, eggs are the same way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that, you know it's, you know. All right, all right. I will try. I'm going to try to have the potato uh, thing working for the show next week. That means my power supply got to get put to the side, but I'm going to do it. We're not going to build out the the, uh, the uh, low pass filter here or whatever that is. Looks like a yeah. I'm just going to take the oscillator and put a put a wire on it. Yeah, you're going to need to get your bird out for that one. Well, it's going to be so low. He says this is only one milliwatt. Oh, I, can use, I can use, I can use the spectrum. to your I, receiver in your, I, on your, on your I bench. I can use the, uh, my, my spectrum analyzer here, and also I can listen for it. So, uh, I, I have no doubt it'll work. If I can just get... You know, that's the scary part. The reality of it is yeah. you probably could get a milliwatt out of a potato or a lemon. Well, out of, out of eight of them, sure. Yeah. Now, are you going to put them in parallel or serial? Series. They'll be series. Gotta get in series to get the voltage up. Yeah, I gotta yeah get but that. you know, parallel, you get the current. Yeah, but if, it, if each one is only giving you a half a volt. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah you, won't, you won't be able to get over the silicon junction. Right. Yeah. Okay. But you get one of those little, you know, three volt or two and a half volt, uh, you know, oscill low power oscillators. You can do yeah. a little better, maybe. Well, I've got a bunch of those. I've I've got a bunch of those uh, 27 megahertz oscillators that I put on the tracker. They're just like that, 
you know, I have to put them on the uh, tracker here with the with the air heat. You know, they're really well, small, but yeah. They, well, let's see, twenty-seven meg. Let's see, the, the, it's going to be rich in odd harmonics. It's the square wave, so you're not going to be able to get six meters because if if you, if you had the second harmonic, you'd get six meters, but you probably get a lot of the third harmonic, which isn't going to help you much. Well, I'm just going to tune it in. The on, fifth will get I'm you. Just gonna tune it in on, get you two meters, right? I'm just going to tune it in on twenty-seven. Okay, you know. We'll make a we'll make a contact out of band. Uh, All right. <laughs> probably probably it'll be legal. I mean, one milliwatt yeah. with it probably yeah, ain't going to go more. You're than just going to have to learn things like ten four and things like that. <laughs> it probably ain't going to go more than five feet. So I mean. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it. Okay. All right. Next week we'll do it. Well, see now now you've created a whole series here. You're going to do it with the potatoes. You're going to do it with the lemon. And then, like Dwayne said, you're going to have to do it with a saltwater battery. You know, you're going to have to try all of these alternative energy sources. Well, we can do that. We, yeah. Since we have the, uh, have the transmitter built, it's just a matter of connecting it to different uh, sources. So. Hey, Tom. Yeah. I was listening last night to AWRL uh, radio news, and they were talking about these people that are, are developing a battery using chlorine, a chlorine-based type battery. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear about it at all? I think I've heard, I think I've heard of that. Uh, yeah. I find it very intriguing. Well, you know, I, you know, hey, in our flights, our balloon flights, we, there's not a battery. Well, there's a primary battery will work at, at our altitude. It's so cold, a primary battery will work. That's a, like a non-rechargeable single-cell you know, battery. A, a, a LiPo battery, uh, it, it won't work. It won't work over about 20,000 feet. Uh, the temperature shuts it off. But uh, in, in our research and trying to find a battery to use for our flights, I did find a nuclear battery or an atomic battery but uh, it was really expensive. It was like a thousand dollars, and it, only and it didn't out put like out. It didn't put out enough current. It didn't put out enough current to uh, power our our tracker. Well, you get about you know three or four hundred of those in, in series and parallel. Yep, yep. You know, and you you can do it. You know, start the collection now. Well, my understanding, the way they were talking about the process is getting the chlorine back to its normal state after um i i, I guess they have a, a, a component there that they use as a sponge that soaks in the, the chlorine and reverse it back to like um salt or something chloride or whatever the hell they call it so they can reuse it or something yeah with the battery. I, don't, I don't know huh yeah but that's not yeah but the thing is chlorine's an element right well and, and and what the concern they had was, if you leave it in a chlorine state, it's going to be detrimental to the battery because because it can I guess explode or whatever. Explode, it'll corrode it, it'll leak right. through it. You know, a little bit of everything. Right. Well, I think hey, here's another one. We can probably stack up alternate nickels and pennies and and put some spit between them. Oh. No, I think that'll work too. If you ever, are, are y'all familiar with that? No, I ain't done that one. Yeah, that'll work. That's a that's an experiment. But they're I don't probably going to have to be, you know, pre nineteen ninety nickels. Yeah, I don't know how much uh, we can get out of it, but yeah. 
You just put a little. I thought you were going to say pre 1990 spit. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the same thing goes with the pennies. I mean, the modern pennies aren't really copper anymore, aren't they? Pretty much zinc these days. Well, you, you can use this copper clad PCB board, right? I've yeah. got I've got just I got regular copper strip here. Oh, folks, for me, it's ten thirty. I mean, it seems my yep. dog is sitting by the back door waiting for me to take her out. All for right, a man. Walk. Well, look, we'll, we'll let you go. Hey, good to see you tonight. All right, so we'll see you we next week. We'll see you again later on. Good to see you. Bye, yeah, Alan. All right, Thank nice. you, Alan. Take care, Charlie, Anthony, Joe, Glenn. Easy. See you um, next take week. Care now. All Ciao. Right. All right. Well, this you know this is going to be a fun uh, a fun thing to try to do. Now, I have to clean my workbench off. I got I got this other project all spread out over there. I'll just I'll just rake it all off into a bucket or something. Make make some room here, and um, <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah, it, it you know there it could be really interesting to do a a whole comparison on the alternative sources like the lemons and the bat uh, the the potatoes and salt water and all that stuff that see be i bet fun. i bet nobody's ever done this we build up this say we build up this 20 meter qrpp rig it's powered by some potatoes and then we run that into a little bitty amplifier running on a battery or something and then another little amplifier and then we get it up to a kilowatt and we we tell the people our exciter is a potato powered exciter <laughs> <clears throat> yep Assuming you can get that first step to work, you've got it. Yeah, and I, I think we could do that too. Anyway, I've got to head out, people. It's um, one thirty in the afternoon, and I have all right. I have to do so. All right. Well, we oh, will God. see you later. Good to see you again tonight. Thanks for joining us. Not a worry. I'll uh, catch up with you next week. Bye now. Bye, Bye Jeff. All right, I just posted the link in here again. If anybody wants to join us on uh, on uh, Zoom, there's the link. Well, you know, Glenn, our little our little ten milliwatt transmitter, uh, it, it's heard nine thousand miles away, but that's of course Whisper. Um, hey Tom, a question. Yeah. Uh, with the suppose the uh, nuclear battery was uh, good enough and. What happens when it falls down and falls into, for example, the highway and some truck uh, uh, passes over it and all the nuclear uh, radioactive stuff wanders around about? Well, a battery wow. that size, you probably get more nuclear energy out of a X-ray. Or I, or, or maybe, maybe the, uh, the the dials off of a wristwatch. I don't know. It wasn't much. It wasn't much at all. Yeah, but you know that was the one thing they pulled the all those radio. You know, I remember as a kid, I got one of those Timex watches with the yeah. radium dials. Yeah. And they pulled those off the market because did they ever tell us about that stuff? You know, I don't know. I remember having one when I was a kid. I thought it was kind of neat, man. Like, in the dark, they were in the dark, you day, could see. You know, in the dark, you could see it there. Yeah, and eventually you figured out why, and you're like, nobody told and, and, me and about And you put that. it very close to your eyes, I remember, to oh, see yeah. it very bright. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> In fact, I've got, oh, you know what, I've got a, uh, I've got a military compass here. I think it's got that on it. Um, 
Let me see. Where's my military comp? Hey, Tom. Oh, While you're looking you. for your military compass, remember what they used in the 60s doing the Apollo program, getting to the moon and back for batteries? Oh, I don't know. What was it? It was, uh, what was it? Was it some kind uh, of cell? It was some kind of high office? Right, right, right. Yeah, fuel cells, wasn't it? Fuel, some kind of right. fuel cell. I don't know what was in them. Was it like hydrogen or something? Yeah, hydrogen I think so. and oxygen, I want to say. Right, something like yeah. whatever it was. I can't remember exactly. Well, so how about making something like that? Because I've seen where they use actually they had these flashlights that they see that they sell on TV that you can actually soak it in water to get it to charge. And isn't that the same process as what they used going to the moon and back? I would say yes, because I think that was one of the things I saw is that when you use a fuel cell, your exhaust is moisture, water. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, something that is burning something inside, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right? I'm not up on that technology at all. I, I might, might be, but I think technology. the radium in my watch burned out a couple of brain cells. This is not my military. I have a. I can't find my military compass I had, but it, it had the uh, green phosphor or whatever on it. This is a. Uh, this is just a little compass with a sight through it. It's pretty pretty neat little compass. You get very accurate with it. You can. I'm reading the dial right now. There's three fifty, three forty nine. I had to find my other. Okay, well, so we've 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 got something figured out for our show next week, and uh, uh, <laughs> why don't we get everybody out there? Uh, well, there's other people out there that like to experiment. Why don't uh, why don't some of you guys out there put something together and test some batteries for us? Yeah, you know, even if you don't build a transmitter, hey, string some potatoes together, string some lemons together, measure the voltage, and give us a report next week on. Uh, what you found out was best. I, I, hey, I would, kinda, I would think lemon might be better than than potatoes. Tom? Yeah. Yeah. Last week, the Caltech Amateur Radio Club, the club that I belong to in Fort Worth, we had an antenna building project on Saturday. It was all day building antennas for HDs using materials made by a 3D printer, and it oh, went yeah. very well. Whether it was a tape That's measure cool. antenna, whether it was a narrow antenna, and so forth, and. On Thursday, we're going to be doing a presentation, a fox hunt presentation. The gentleman that's going to be doing it, he's originally from Australia. And it's going to be, uh, he's going to talk about how his his uh, experience is doing fox hunts over there and how what we're going to do over here and what basically what a fox hunt is all about and how do you try to, try to um, find the fox. And then basically, because what we did last month, we had the 3D printer presentation or with the antenna building uh, using a 3D printer um, presentation for you know for, for the antenna. And in May, we're going to actually be taking the presentation and the workshop and put it into practice. We're going to actually have a fox hunt in, April, in, in May. I think it's being pushed back in May um, here in, in, in town and to see how the antennas that we built are going to work hunting a fox. So that's that should be pretty interesting. That's good. Oh. I've been uh, fox hunting only once, 
and it was like uh, an activity we made before one of the uh, one of the balloon flights we made on the, with the club and it, it was just to to you know to make an activity with with the with the, all the hams and everything and mm -hmm. but but i didn't know anything about fox hunting but then i realized when i saw other people that were into that that it's a, it's an art Mm -hmm. It was yeah. it was really interesting, and to see them, they had really interesting t tricks and things to, to be able to get the the fox. Now, what what makes fox hunting very difficult is you put that radio transmitter on a real fox. <laughs> that uh, that makes it a little bit harder to track down. I was going to say, you know, put it on a little flying drone, and after every transmission, yeah. have it hop about fifty yards. Yeah, yeah. That would work. Oh, yeah. This is why they won't let me run a fox hunt. <laughs> now, I, I got an idea. Hey, for a fox hunt, if we have a fox, let's make a little transmitter and when it, get the gang together. You know, they all got their antennas and everything, you know, out there. And let's slip it in the guy's back pocket when, and he don't know <laughs> it. He doesn't know it, you know. Yeah, all you got to do is put the potato in his back pocket. Yeah, just slip the little transmitter in his back pocket and <laughs> let him go fox hunting. What? I mean, I've got it. Wait, wait a minute, where is it? Uh, it's this way. No, it's, it's that way. Hmm. You can get it small enough. It would be a very interesting thing to do. Yeah. Man, so hey, the why, weather's good. Why are good. you all pointing at me? I think the weather is starting to warm up. I think I'm going to go up and take my rotors down. i got to get my satellite station back on the air. So I guess I need to get my rotors down. And I hate, I hate working on those things. They're messy. I've got to rebuild my cobweb. The uh, the pine trees from the neighbor kind of did things to my yeah. wires on the cobweb. Yeah, yeah it does that. You know? Snapped a whole bunch of them. Unfortunately, hey, Tom, that's the that we were building over the weekend, you can actually use them if you have trouble with uh, hitting your repeater because they're basically high-gain antennas. And you can use them for, besides fox hunting, you can also use them for uh, for AMSAT, for, for communicating with satellites. Yeah. Um, besides fox hunting, and um, and I can't remember what else. But there's a, there's a multiple, they have multiple um, applications for them. Mm -hmm. And whether they're single band or dual band antennas. Oh, yep. That's on my list of things to get is a 3D printer. Hopefully by the end of the year. Man, I don't say a 3D printer. You can make a crescent wrench with a 3D printer, or you you know you turn the little deal and it it opens and closes. I don't see yep. how that thing can print something like that, man. Well, hey, it. Tom? You know what I'm also hearing? That even if you don't have a 3D printer, they have these files where you can go down to your public library where they have them, and you can actually print the parts up what you're trying yes. to build. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it might take a while. <laughs> it, it depends. Some of those some of those projects take three or four hours. Some long, yeah. Some the, even, uh, some long day. Yeah. <laughs> three or four days. Yeah, some long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think I'm going to do 3D. It, it just... I thought, hey, that might be nice to get a 3D printer, but then I thought I'd probably print one or two things. It would take uh, 14 hours to print something that I wouldn't use. 
Uh, so, I don't know. Now, it's on my list of things because I already have a whole bunch of things I want to do with it. Yeah, so I've got a 3D printed here. Let's see if I can. Oh, boy. Yeah. What is it? it about $3,000 there, Clint? No, oh, no, no. no. The, um, the Ender 3, they had for sale at Micro Center in St. Louis for like 300 bucks. You can get them for a couple yeah, exactly. hundred dollars. Yes, yes, yeah. All right, so this is, uh, this is uh, 3D printed. Yep. That's 3D printed. It, right it's here. becoming, because it's very expensive to send to print, uh, at least here. Because of the, of the time it takes, so if, if yeah. you are you you send something to print and it takes the, it takes them the, their machine hours to print. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. So it it becomes they're 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 cheap enough so for you to have a printer if you really need it. And the, but the the worst thing can ha that can happen is that you don't use it much and you s sell it or give it away. So I don't know. Um, I think. The most difficult part with a 3D printer is uh, learning to use the proper software. Yeah. Because I, I, the, the only thing, I made a couple of things in the 3D printer. Uh, I don't have a 3D printer, but I, I had a guy that had one, so I could tell him to print. But uh, was remember when I did uh, that kit uh, with the Nixie clocks with my kit, that that uh, I we made a 3D printed box. and. You know, it's uh, 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 the, the first time I, we did it was very was we were very lucky because we, it came out really nice and as, as as we wanted. But then it's not that easy. You you try to the software. You have to get if you want to do something uh, like uh, really uh, precise and everything. You have to learn to use a proper software, which which takes uh, you have a big learning. Oh yeah. That's why it's not at the front end of my list of things to get. It's on yeah. the back end. So you have, of course, you have like millions of, of designs in Thingiverse and everywhere in the internet that you come across ah. the, the, the piece you need, you can print it. But then yeah. if you want to do something yourself, oh man, it has a learning. What yeah, I, Tom, look, put, look, put that look, thing up look, close look to your I eyes. Found, look what I found here. And look, hey, yeah. on the back, it's got a radioactive symbol on the back. Oh, that's cool. Look at there. It says, uh, it says, warning, keep compass at least 30 meters away from body at all times. 30 meters? Away from body at all times. Now stop and think about that. How can you use it if it's thirty meters away? Do you send somebody else to I don't go know. look but at it? Hey, this is a cool. Uh, this is a cool compass. Look how it works. You just uh, you open that up like that. You open this up like that. You've probably seen these. There you go. Yeah. You put your put your thumb in there like that, and you can, you know, you can look through. Oh, I, I'm I'm closer than thirty meters. Now, it does have the. Yeah, it, it will always be closer than thirty meters. Right? It should uh, it should be glowing right now. Of course, I got the lights on. Yeah, but keep that up, and you will be too. Let's see what it says here. It says <laughs> uh, it says AEC. Well, what's that? Atomic Energy Commission, right? Yes. AEC license number. 
can't make it out. Not anymore. AEC license. You might make it. Let's see. AEC license number. You can almost read the number there. It contains. 75 micro, no sé qué, radioactive, H3. That's, what's H is? Uh, I think that's what you're not Tritium, Tritium, right? I think this is, I think this is what they, they're supposed to give to the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let I, them I'd keep it closer it, than 30 meters. Yeah, I'd love to, to bring the Geiger counter close to that. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. This would probably set it off right here. Let's see, it might even set my smoke detector off here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, the I, good I was, news is, Tom, you won't need any more night lights. You'll be able to just get out of bed and glow in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> 75, 75 milli-something MC radioactive. Megacycles. Yeah, radioactive. Megacycles? H three. That's H uh, three. Is tritium, right? That's tritium. I, I I I can read it better in the camera than I can read it. Let's see, hold it still. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's H three. Yeah. Yeah, that's H three, man. Have to look that up. I don't know what H3 is. Tritium? I think it's uh, a... I just, a, I just noticed that once I, I found it over in the drawer of the room, it got a little warmer. I think the room has heated up a couple degrees since I got yeah. this out. It says you must open. Let's see. Millicur oh yeah, millicuries. That's what it is. There you go. Papa Doc, uh, Papa Doc here. He's our doctor. Uh, WA4YYM. Doc, you ought to join us on our uh, our Zoom here. You used to join us. Uh, Papa Doc, being a doctor, he knows all about those millicuries and all that stuff. I guess. Uh, uh, I learned about them at school, but you probably have practical knowledge uh, of them. You hold it up real close to your eyeball like this. What it does, it does two things. You can find direction. It also takes cataracts off your eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and think of how many thousands of those had to have been built and issued to the military back in the 60s. Yeah, I wonder if they want this one back. I... I I guess I'm past the uh, what do you call that? That limit where you know where the half life? No, the limit where they 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 come get you. you statute know, for, of limitations. Yeah, statute. Of, I guess I, I'm yeah. probably past the statute of limitations, man. Well, actually, I, I was just skimming, and it said the half life on tritium is like 40 years. Oh, really? So that thing has probably exceeded its half life. Well, you can figure it's over 40 years now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, had this probably, I've had this probably 50 years. So, But but that just means it's half as strong, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it, in another 40 years, it'll be half as strong as that. So, yeah. You know. Be a quarter. Well, I, I remember when I, I first I, when I first got this thing, you could set you could set a canteen, you know, water in it. You could set a canteen on it and, and, and boil water for your coffee. <laughs> when we first got it, 
I don't think it do that now. Is no. it still glowing green or it doesn't work? Well, anymore? let me go in the dark and see. Let me let me look here. Because I was uh, in, uh, changing some uh, tweets the other day with a guy that, uh, uh, like, uh, he's a uh, he 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 uh, goes around and gets all radioactive stuff and well, he's like an expert in that. And uh, he was telling me that the radioactive you have two components in that one, yeah. which is the radioactive one, and one which is the phosphorus one. Well, I went, I, I went in the dark in the closet, and I, I don't see anything. Yeah, because he told me that the that the radioactive uh, the radioactivity breaks down the phosphorus uh, uh, part of the component. So, yeah. So with time, it's not that it's not radioactive, but it's not. Not and, mu uh, not as much. It's not fluorescent. Fluorescent. That's the word. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Man, I lost my other one. So in these fifty years, is or it, it's not radioactive anymore, or it's not <laughs> it's fluorescent anymore. So. Well, it's not. Uh, it doesn't appear to be fluorescent. Oh wait, it says here if found. Return to military authorities. Dispose of per. They got some number. Oh. Oh, and it says do not open. It's got four little screws on the back and it says do not open. Yeah, that's yep. what makes you glow in the dark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like this one better. This is a this is a much cooler compass. It's a it's a machined looks like machined aluminum or something, and uh, got a sight. You can look through the through the sight hole there. You can actually <laughs> read. Yeah, Don got it right. That's just going to be another knock on your door, Tom. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, except this I'm not time telling it, him where he lives. <laughs> I was gonna say, except this time it won't be the local SWAT team; it'll be the Men in Black. I've got a, I got a friend. Who's oh God! Been, I've got a friend who's been flying some balloons, and of course they all, they all go over to China. He said one day this black limousine pulled up in front of his house, and three Chinese guys in suits got out and they came up, and knocked on the door. He said he did not go to the door. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Smoke detectors have a little bit of uh, radioactive material in them as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let me just make a quick announcement here. We're, we're running toward the end of the show. Uh, if, if you're listening to us, guys, uh, this has been two hours of fun. Our first hour is uh, about ham radio. It's called Amateur Radio Roundtable. Uh, this last hour is our show no, it's after the show show. I always mess it up. After the show show where we invite people into the show through Zoom and we t we talk about just a lot of things and we have a lot of fun on here. So uh, uh, if you're out there listening on WBCQ on 7490, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com and uh, tune us in on Tuesday nights. Just go to w5kub.com. 
Facebook.com, and you can actually watch the show. It's a video show. You can watch it. You can check in our uh, our chat room and uh, and just join us. All right. We've got about seven more minutes here before our radio station time slot goes out. You got any new projects? I have a kudo. Well, what is that? I said, I got a kudo. Oh, did you? Cool. Yeah. yeah uh, in the Ham Radio Prep Student Success Group. Okay. Uh, this lady, D. Rasmussen from North Carolina, says, I did it. I passed this afternoon the amateur extra exam, 48 out of 50. And the highlights are she decided to take her technician on the 21st of January. Yeah. Uh, she ran into a, a stump because they canceled the, the local uh, test session. So she posted on here, and I told her to uh, go on to ham study sessions and uh, look for something on Sunday if she was ready. So she took her license for technician on the 13th of February, took her general on the 28th of February, and then I said to her, I says, uh, as she was leaving, I says, well, we'll see you back in a couple of weeks for your expert. Well, darn it. On the 13th of March, she came and took her test, and she passed it. I mean, she was 35 out of 35 on the tech, 35 wow. out of 35 on the general, and 48 out of 50 on the uh, on the extras. Now, and she had two um, surgeries for cataracts in between. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> mm. I think mm. I had a 48 out of 50 on my extra exam, but I was arguing over two questions I missed. <laughs> did you did you send did you send your nasty note to the ARRL? It wasn't worth it. I had the ticket. Well, I had a I had a 59. Well, out no, of, I'm just saying if you. They, I'm sorry, Tom. Go oh, ahead. sorry. I'm gonna say I had 59 out of 60, but that was with the M16. <laughs> but no it was one of those you know i hadn't done those calculations in 30 years so i might have been wrong but i don't think i was well glenn i'm happy to announce that you no longer have to do trigonometry to figure out the phase angles they oh, have God. these compute. they have these calculators at wally world ti yeah. Uh, 36x pro it's a box over box type thing there you don't have to worry about y equals oh, but <laughs> Lord. Mm. now it was you know you know determining resonance and the q factor of a circuit yeah yeah you know and i used to be able to do that in my head oh lord not me i had yeah. to have my pocket rocket <laughs> Now, actually, when uh, when I was in high school, we got a pair of the first TI, you know, calculators, the SR10, and mm -hmm. I was I was still on a slide rule, and I could out calculate anybody on their calculator with the slide rule. It's like, who needs a calculator? I got this, and it don't need batteries. Slide rule. Power either. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, gosh, I was just a teenager at that age. And then this horrible thing happened. I discovered oh. women, and I haven't been able to use the slide rule since. <laughs> All right. Slide rules. You're talking about slide rules. I had to get mine out. Oh, I got mine in the other oh, room. There we go. There we go, boys. There we go. Probably yeah. there's a lot of people on here, new people that... Even old people don't even know what this is, but uh, this is what we used to use. This is what we used in college to flunk all of our exams with. Yeah. Uh, right here, well, I can still know, I can still multiply like uh, you know two times three on it. Oh yeah, yeah. I can I still mean, I can oh, still do yeah, two yeah, times two times three and and, on that like a, like know, a and get six know. and all that kind of stuff, you know. And I might could figure out how to do a square root, you know, if I. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a time I could use every function on that thing, but, you know. You know, if now, you really, back then, like back really in, decoration. back then, if you, you know, nowadays, if you're a geek, you see, we didn't even have two meters back then, so nobody had handy talkies, but, you know, like now, everybody, you want to be a geek, you you walk around with your handy talkie on. Well, back then, back then, we wore this. Yeah, you know, we our, wore that in a pocket protector. We wore that man, on we our, uh, on our, you know, hey, man, that looks like it. You know, that, that's a pretty big thing to, yeah. to wear. But, yeah, I mean, you have to remember the, uh, the, the handheld calculator didn't really become publicly available until, like, 72, 73. So, I mean, everything before then was the slide rule. Yeah. See, I, I went off to school at, at, in 66. That, that kind of ages me, but that's when I went started college in 66. So, yeah, I was born in the wrong time of the century, man. I mean, I needed calculators. I, I, you know, I would have done much better if I had a calculator. Yeah. I mean, I have, you know, I quickly transitioned to the calculator, but yeah. I learned on the slide yeah. rule to begin with. You know, nowadays it's I just fire up the calculator under Windows and use that. Yeah, I think I think the square root was pretty easy on the slide rule if I remember right. It's been a long yeah. time since I used it. Once you figured it out, you know, a lot of the functions on it were very simple. You know, yeah, yeah. Very quick and very easy. All right, guys, we uh, we have run into the end of our shortwave show. Thanks to everybody out there for tuning in on shortwave and listening tonight. Thank you for uh, all you guys that are in our chat room. We've had a good time with you tonight, and uh, we'll see you next week. Send me three to everybody. Have fun. Be safe. Okay. I'm. Bye. All right. Thanks, we'll see Charlie. you, Charlie. Ciao. Bye bye. Yep. Time to go get a snack. We'll catch y'all yep. next week. All right, uh -oh. we'll see y'all. Don't tell the cat you take.